This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. If you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 5, please. We're working our way through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, this is the passage that we've got to this morning. And what I'm wanting us to do as we work through this Gospel is to encounter Jesus. And for some of you that may be encountering him for the first time. For some of you it may be encountering him once again. So regardless of whether you've been a Christian for many years, or whether you're just exploring things of faith and just maybe you're here with a friend just trying to find out a little bit more uh, what all this is about, I'm trusting in what we have a look at this morning there will be something for you. So, if you've got your Bible there, you should have found Luke chapter 5, and uh, we'll pick up the account at verse 12. Luke 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before Jesus. Lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friends, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the accounts that we have read this morning of Jesus healing and we pray now as we spend a few moments looking at it together that, Lord God, you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, come and be our teacher. Would we not only understand what we've read, but would you apply it to our lives? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've got two accounts here. And uh, if we have time, I'm trusting we'll get to look at uh, both of them. If we run out of time, we may look at the second one. Uh, in, uh, in the next week or so. But uh, let's start off and see how far uh, we get looking at this together. So to start with, you have an account of a man with leprosy. 
that comes to Jesus. Now, to start with, we need to understand what it was like for people with leprosy. They were seen as outcasts in their day. So they would not have been welcome uh, in, the, uh, in a village or uh, in, a, in a particular location where people were. They would have been you know, pushed away, pushed to the outside, and uh, they wouldn't have got to associate with anybody. Leprosy, you see, is a disease which affects the body's nervous system. Affected areas are skin, eyes and muscles in the hands and feet. As the disease progresses, the symptoms get worse. Numbness in hands and feet make the patient vulnerable to cuts and infection that can't be felt. Stiffened muscles cause clawed hands. Loss of the blinking reflex leads to total blindness. And in some cases, amputation of fingers and arm or leg is necessary. So that's not good, is it? If you get that, it's not looking favourable. So it's a serious disease. And in biblical times, if you had it, as I said, you would have been an outcast. And so as this man approaches Jesus, you can imagine the scene. If he had, if the disease had got to him in such a way that is described in that description there, you probably would have seen crowds around Jesus. And as this man approaches, the crowds would have stood back. <laughs> they would have thought, ah, leprosy. They wouldn't want to be close to it. They thought they could have caught it. They thought that they may have got infected. So they would have wanted to withdraw. And so the situation would have been, maybe crowds were gathering around the Lord. They would have seen this guy with leprosy. They would have stood well back, running the other direction. And so it probably would have been just Jesus and this guy that was left. Other people standing back at some distance, wanting to ensure in their minds that they didn't get infected themselves. But clearly, Jesus' reputation has gone before him. That's why this guy is here, isn't it? He hasn't gone out for a day trip. He hasn't just happened to bump into Jesus. It's very clear that he has come to him intending to ask Jesus to heal him. What does he say in verse 12? When he sees Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It wasn't really a question. It was more of a statement, wasn't it? (laughs) It wasn't really a, Lord, could you make me clean? It was, Lord, if you are willing, you can do this. And so it's much more a statement of fact than it is a question for him. And how does Jesus respond? Well, Jesus stretches out his hands. He touches the man. He says that he's willing. And he issues the command, be clean. And immediately, Luke tells us, the leprosy left him. So what do we see from this? Well, first of all, number one, we see that Jesus is willing. Do you notice that? Straight away, Jesus' response shows us that Jesus is willing to respond. He's willing to heal. And so often we we somehow think that we need to come to Jesus and perhaps persuade him to do something. We need to beg. We need to sort of come and try and twist his arm behind his back and say, you know, Lord, don't you see how good it would be if you could do this and somehow try and persuade Jesus to do something. But what we see here is that Jesus is willing. Yes, we need to ask, but we need to come with faith. And that's what this guy's doing, isn't it? He's coming with faith. He knows that Jesus can heal him. I mean, he doesn't so much come with a question as a as a statement. 
You see, begging or persuading, thinking that we have to come to our Lord begging or persuading him, isn't a good reflection of our relationship with him. Because Jesus, what does he call us? Do you remember what he says in John 15? Jesus calls us friends. He calls us friends. John 15, verse 15. I no longer call you servants, says Jesus, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So if you're asking your friend for something, you don't have to beg them, do you? You don't have to try and persuade them and twist their arm and make them think it's a good idea, but rather you just ask. You just ask the question. And Jesus wants us to come to him in that way, to come to him because he calls us friends, not servants. Even persistent asking, even coming to the Lord and asking for so persistently is a different relationship to begging for something. So when you come to Jesus, ask and believe. So this guy who came to Jesus wasn't asking a question as to whether Jesus was able to heal him. What he wanted was Jesus to heal him. So he came with faith and he came with a clear expectation of Jesus being able to do what he was asking him to do. So we see that Jesus is willing in his response. We also see that Jesus comes close. Secondly, Jesus comes close. You see, he touched the man, didn't he? Jesus didn't stand back. Probably the rest of the crowd had withdrawn by this point to a safe distance, so they thought. It's just Jesus and this guy with leprosy left in the middle. What does Jesus do? He doesn't run away, doesn't withdraw. He comes close, reaches out and touches the man. The people would have been horrified at this. Now that wasn't what you did. You didn't go and touch somebody with leprosy. That was just what you didn't do. But it's exactly what Jesus did do. Jesus doesn't just heal from afar. Well, he can do that. When there are examples in Scripture of Jesus saying a word and bringing healing to somebody at some distance away, he can do that. But more often than not, Jesus draws close. More often than not, Jesus reaches out. More often than not, there's a physical touch, there's a hand that goes out. So there's something about Jesus touching the unclean man, isn't there? There's something about him doing that. Probably this guy. For him, it may have been a long time since somebody reached out a hand to him. Even if it was just a simple reaching out and putting his hand on his shoulder. It might have been a long time since somebody did that for him. Because people would have withdrawn because of his leprosy. If you're old enough, you may remember some years ago now, the media publicity that happened when Princess Diana reached out to some AIDS victims and touch them. People were shocked. That's exactly what would have happened, the same response here, as Jesus reached out and touched this man with leprosy. 
but it shows something, doesn't it? If you reach out a hand to somebody, it shows something. It demonstrates love. It demonstrates care. It demonstrates identification with the individual. It demonstrates that he's involved. It isn't just an automatic come to Jesus and, oh yeah, you want healing, there you go, off you go. There's a relationship here. Jesus calls us friends. He reaches out his hand, touches the guy, and brings healing. And immediately, the man is totally restored. So leprosy was one of those uh, big, scary illnesses of the day. It would have got all the bad press. It would have been the thing that people perhaps feared most. Maybe our equivalent these days would be how people respond to cancer sometimes. Maybe without the horrific visible signs of bodily decay that leprosy brings. But in terms of people's response, it would have been similar. But Jesus isn't put off by this. Do you notice throughout scripture, as Jesus heals different people, he doesn't categorise the, uh, the conditions. Do you notice that? So whether it's leprosy or blindness or deafness or somebody who can't walk, the response is the same. Jesus brings healing. He speaks a word. He reaches out. What Jesus doesn't do is categorise the different conditions. However, I think what I've noticed is that we tend to categorise the different conditions, don't we? Now, depending what your condition might be, you might put it in a different category. But, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the, the cold and, and the backache. And then there's perhaps a bit more serious, the sort of dislocated shoulder. And then maybe there's the, there's the broken bone getting a bit more serious. And we, we put all these categories and we think, well, you know, yeah, I think probably Jesus can deal with the, with the backache and, you know, maybe the cold. And, well, I'm not sure about the next one up. And oh, it's, it's really tricky. You know what? God doesn't see it like that. Like that sometimes we think, oh, what about that condition? That seems much harder. But you know what? God doesn't see it like that. He sees an individual in need, in pain, needing his touch, needing a response from him, and he brings it. So Jesus tells this guy not to tell anybody to go out and offer sacrifices um, as commanded. But what happens? Crowds of people come to him. (laughs) News spreads like wildfire. The news is out. And so more and more people come to Jesus to be healed by him. And what happens? Does Jesus set up a a big healing tent and just uh, stay there until everybody is gone? Actually, what Jesus does, we're told by Luke, very specifically in verse 16, if you've got your Bibles open still, you'll see it. He says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So even when it was going really well, even when there were lots of people crowding around him, even when there were still lots to do, Jesus was very clear as to what his priority was. He knew that he had to be with his father. And not just occasionally, Luke tells us, it was often. He knew that in the midst of busyness, in the midst of demands on his time, in the midst of great ministry, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So he knew what he needed. He needed that. 
I wonder, would it describe you? Do you often withdraw to those lonely places and pray? Well, Luke goes on in his account and his gospel here and tells us the story of what happens uh, when Jesus came across this paralytic, the man on the mat, if you like. And um, I realised that I've preached on this uh, account of healing not so long ago, some point last year. And on that occasion, I used Mark's recollection of it in his gospel account. And uh, here we've got Luke's gospel account. But it's a familiar story to us. And maybe if you went to Sunday school as a kid, you might remember this story too. It's one of those classic stories. I mean, our seven-year-old knows it. But, you know, it's not just for children. This is for all of us. Let's not relegate it to a story just for kids. So what happens? Well, again, Jesus' reputation has gone before him. Crowds are coming from afar. People are coming to Jesus to be healed by him. And now they're packed into a home. Standing room only. Nobody else could get in. And yet these guys have brought their friends. Knowing that if only Jesus could say the words, he would be healed. And it's interesting, isn't it? They get to the house. They can't get in. There's crowds packing it out. There's no way that anyone else is going to squeeze in, let alone if they're carrying you on the mat. So what do they do? Do they give up, go home, think we'll come another day? No, they, they go onto the roof. And a typical Palestinian home in that time probably would have had an outside staircase, probably would have had a flat roof. Up they go, and they start digging the tiles away, digging through the, the mud, digging through the, the roof. And can you imagine what it was like if you were in there listening to Jesus? There's this great noise from above, and you see a hand stick through, and then there's a big hole made. There's obviously a fairly substantial hole, because this guy's lowered down through it. And they lower him down, and he lands in the middle of the room in front of Jesus. Jesus is probably covered with some dust and dirt by this point. Most of the ceiling has come in on him. And he's there. And all the people are around going, now what's he going to do? What's going to happen now? Well, Luke tells us what happens. The man's lowered down. And Jesus talks about forgiveness of sins. What's all that about, they're thinking? We didn't bring him here for that. We brought him here so he'd walk. You can imagine them hollowing down. But Jesus, as he says that, he knows what the crowd are thinking. He knows what the Pharisees and teachers of the law are thinking about. And so he asks them the question, what's easier? To forgive someone's sins? Or to say, get up and walk? Jesus does both. Quite simply, he can do both and he does do both. He forgives the man's sin, he heals him, he commands him to get up and walk and he does. And whilst healing the man is a visible and immediate sign of Jesus' authority and his power, this guy's greater need was to have his sin forgiven. Even though he couldn't walk, even though he'd been carried there by his friends, even though he'd been let down through the roof to the area in front of Jesus, his biggest need was not his lack of ability to walk, but rather his bigger need was to meet Jesus and to have his sin forgiven. Even though he was ill, actually it was his sin that was the greatest need 
And even as we talk about healing in these passages here, let's remember that whilst we do want to pray for people, and we will pray for people even this morning, our greatest need is actually to be forgiven of our sin. Our greatest need is to have our relationship with God restored. That's our greatest need. Anything else is secondary. So what can we learn? Well, number one, Jesus had compassion. You see that in both stories there, don't you? You see that Jesus had compassion and still does today. Sometimes people have a wrong understanding of what God is really like. Actually, Jesus came to show us what God's like. And he does right here. The Bible shows God is full of love, full of compassion. And healing is a demonstration of that. It's a demonstration of his love and his mercy. But secondly, we see that God loves and responds to faith. He loves and responds to faith. Now, let's be clear. This is not the same thing as saying, if you have enough faith, you will be well. Okay? That's a distortion of biblical truth. We're not saying that. But what we do see in Scripture is that faith plays a part. And God loves faith. He loves to respond to faith. See, the truth is that God loves to heal. And he loves to see faith as we come to him. Jesus saw faith in the man with leprosy. And he sees faith in the men who brought their friend to him when he couldn't walk. Now, God being God can and does make exceptions. He's allowed to do that. So sometimes he can heal just because he can. We can't put God in a box and say, well, it has to be just like that and that's how we like it, nice and neatly packaged. What we can say is time and again in Scripture, God loves faith. And Jesus responds to faith. So sometimes Jesus sees faith in the individual requiring healing. Sometimes he sees faith in in others. But it just seems to play a part. God responds to it. The writer of the Hebrews puts it like this. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's quite strong, isn't it? Not just difficult, not just trickier, impossible. So faith is critical, it's essential. Now, we do find in Scripture occasions of people coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And that's probably how a lot of us feel a lot of the time. Would you agree? I don't think it's just me. I hope it's not just me. We think, Lord, I I do believe, but I'm struggling a bit with it. Will you help me? Well, that's okay. That's an honest assessment of where we are. That's fine. But if we come to God saying, Lord, I I dare you to heal me. Go on in. Just just try it. Then God's unlikely to respond to that. Now, as we've said, he could do, because he's God and he can. But it seems from Scripture he's less likely to. Because God loves and responds to faith. So if we stand there thinking, well, go on in, Lord. Just try and heal me if you dare. Then probably he won't. But if you come to him saying, Lord, I do believe, but I'm struggling a bit here. 
I do believe, but will you help my unbelief? That's okay. That's okay. That's a prayer that God loves to answer. But let's just be clear here. Healing isn't automatic automatic if you just have enough faith. Healing comes from the mercy and love of God, not as a result of a perhaps unobtainable level of faith. It's not that you have to work up enough and then once you hit it, a green light goes off and God says, ah, now they've got enough faith, it's all good to go. We still come to a God of grace, one of mercy, one of love. I think the dangerous end of that spectrum is where people think, well, if they're not healed, it's their fault because they didn't have enough faith. Now, there will be some churches that teach that, but I think it's a distortion of biblical truth. Biblical truth is God loves faith. He responds to it. He loves to see it. It pleases him. Biblical truth is without faith it's impossible to please God. But it's also true that we come to a God of love, of mercy and grace. And healing comes from his love and his mercy and his grace. And I guess the reality is that there is pain in this, isn't there? Literally, very often. But there is pain when someone isn't healed. Maybe that somebody is you. Maybe it's somebody or you've prayed with and there is pain in that we need to be honest about that we need to be real with it it can be confusing it can be difficult we, we just need to, to face it and not to somehow bury it under the carpet and pretend it doesn't exist but we can be real about it but you see even when some people aren't healed when we pray that's not a reason to not pray for the sick South African church leader PJ Smyre, who had cancer recently, said this regarding sickness and healing. He said, comfort is never found in the why, it is always found in the who. He always comes and reveals himself to us. That's a great quote from someone that's gone through a fair amount of suffering himself. Right in the midst of his his illness is saying comfort is never found in the why it is always found in the who he always comes and reveals himself to us you see that's where comfort is found in Jesus himself actually comfort isn't found in our healing good though that may be comfort is found in Jesus himself that's our greatest need to know him to have our sin forgiven to know him more That's our greatest need. That's where comfort is really found. And so we need to make sure that we're introducing people to him, helping people connect with him. And let's rejoice over those who are healed. Let's praise God for it. Let's celebrate it. And let's care for and love those who aren't. And keep praying and asking God for them as well. So as we begin to wrap up, what should we do? Well, number one, we should show love. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? He showed love. He showed love. He showed compassion. Even to those whom society had forgotten, those whom society had uh, pushed away. He wasn't afraid to touch the leper, to reach out to those in need, to befriend the sinner. 
to hang out with those whom society had said, no, you're not to be part of us. Jesus was in those places to show love. So how about you? How about me? Are we in those places? Are we reaching those people to show love to them? Number two, have faith. Jesus did heal then, and he can heal now. My question for you is this, do you believe that? Now, most Christians, not all unfortunately, but the vast majority of Christians would go along with the idea that Jesus healed then. I mean, it's quite hard to read through the Gospels and, and argue the contrary, although some people try to. Most people would say, yeah, I can see that Jesus healed then. But what about now? That's where people struggle. That's where we struggle sometimes, thinking, well, that isn't always my experience. So is that for now? Has that finished? What's going on? I want to urge us this morning and encourage us to believe God for these things now. There's no indication in Scripture that these things are not for now. Quite the contrary, in fact, we're commanded to to go out and to, to heal the sick, to preach the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, you'll do even greater things than these. There's no indication from Scripture that it's it's over. So if our experience doesn't match what we're encouraged to believe for, then we need to come back to God and say, Lord, help us with this. Would we see more of what you've promised us? I want to encourage us. Let's read accounts of God healing, both in Scripture, both in contemporary society as well. Let's stir our faith. Let's stir our faith and believe God for what he's said. And number three, step out. Even among those Christians who would believe that God can heal today, so there's a theoretical agreement, an intellectual assent, if you like, even amongst those, then it's a much smaller percentage who would actually step out and say, well, can I pray for you? So even if we sign off on the idea that, yeah, God could heal today, even then it's a smaller percentage who would, reach out a hand and say, can I pray for you now? Can we pray that God might heal you? And I guess maybe the the challenge for people in that is that the pain is too great from perhaps past experience of God seemingly not healing. Or as far as we could tell, the prayer not being answered there. And maybe some people think, well, I've tried before, didn't quite happen as I wanted it to, I thought it would do, and I just back off. And maybe that would describe you this one. Maybe you've backed off. Maybe you've gone for things like this before. Maybe you've, you've stepped out and prayed. It didn't quite work out as you anticipated. And you've backed off. I want to encourage you this morning to go for it again. To go for it again. And to believe God. Now, I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. You know, I've prayed for a whole bunch of people. I've seen some people healed. And I've seen some people not. And the temptation is to think, oh, it's just too hard. The pain is just too great. But I want to encourage us to, to push on through that. And yes, to deal with people well when they're not healed, seemingly, as far as we can tell in that moment. To care for people well, to love people, to pastor them. But let's still go for it. Let's be believing God for it. I think the challenge is for all of us to believe God and to step out. There's a great big gap there sometimes, isn't there, between believing God and making a step. 
And I want to encourage us this morning to make that connection, to believe God and then to step out. We want to live a supernatural lifestyle, don't we? Where God is breaking in, where things are happening around us that glorify him and we see people set free. Don't you want to live a life like that? I think all of us would say, that sounds great. Well, friends, I I think we're only going to see that if we dare to step out. Peter never would have thought he could walk on water. In fact, he never knew he could until he stepped out. And the challenge for all of us this morning is making that connection and stepping out. And praise God as well. Final point, to praise him regardless of what happens. Regardless of what the seeming outcome is, in that moment, God is still worthy of our praise. He is still God. He is still on the throne. He is still worthy of our praise. Actually, God is worthy of our praise all the time. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage us this morning to be those who show love, those who have faith and step out and praise God in it as well. But let me challenge you before we pray, as we will do in a moment, perhaps the band could come up as I close, please. The little verse 16 there, right in the middle of the passage we read, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I think if we want to see more of God breaking out, more of his kingdom coming around us, then we can't skip over that verse. That has to be part of it. Our connection with our Heavenly Father. Loving him, drawing close to him, hearing his heart, receiving his power, getting stirred afresh, being given fresh faith for things. We can't ignore verse 16. It's part of the package. It's part of the deal. And so we're going to pray in a moment. And uh, we're going to pray for anyone who's sick. There's a a couple of uh, things that I felt God speak to me about that I will step out at uh, on in a moment and, and mention. But one thing that I don't think the right response is a ministry response now is verse 16. The withdrawing to lonely places and praying is a response for the weak, isn't it? Maybe it's a heart response now saying, yes, Lord, help me in that. But the response and the action is in the coming days. I want to encourage us in that to draw close to the Lord. But as I was uh, praying about this message this morning, I'm thinking, well, Lord, we're talking about healing. And uh, these two passages both speak of healing. And we want to pray for the sick. And so I guess that means we probably should do this morning. And I would anticipate that in a gathering of this size, there are probably some of you who are unwell and would like us to pray for you. And we can do that in just a moment. But I was asking God whether there's anything in particular he wanted to do, any individuals that he wanted us to minister to, particularly or any situations that uh, we should pray for. And so there are three things I felt God speak to me about. Uh, the first one was somebody with an ankle problem. 
and uh, maybe it's just a joint issue, I'm, I'm not sure, but there's pain in your ankle or trouble walking because of it. The second one was uh, to do with a hand, or I felt particularly more like fingers and knuckles. And whether there was a, a problem in your hand that was causing you uh, pain or sort of some condition there, we'll have to pray for that. And uh, the third one, I just felt God give me the word intestine. Now, I'm, I'm not a great medical expert. Some of you know far more about these things than I, but maybe you have a problem in your intestines and uh, there's maybe some pain or discomfort there. I just felt God would want to minister to you uh, this morning. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.